Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you. And if you are a regular listener to the podcast, then you know my next guest, Brandon Thorne from Scouting Academy, also writes for multiple outlets, including Inside the Pylon. Uh, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good, Matt. Just excited uh, that we have a playoff game to talk about. Now, if the people have not heard Brandon before, you are my offensive line, defensive line guy. It is uh, it is your niche, something that you analyze all the time, and I have learned a ton about offensive and defensive line play and come to enjoy actually how much Vikings fans know about their offensive linemen, which I, I think is a, a little bit unusual. So we've talked a few times about that. I'd like to start, Brandon, with the Vikings offensive line. Missing Nick Easton is a big deal for me, because of his mobility, his athleticism, his ability to get to the second level and work in the screen game. Now, my idea for replacing Easton has been, as I've mentioned on the podcast a couple of times, to have Rashad Hill start at the right tackle, Mike Remmers play guard, and then move Joe Berger over to the left guard as opposed to playing Jeremiah Searles. Um, what do you think of my idea, Brandon? Um, I think I like it. Uh, you know, Berger is the guy who's played different positions before. Um, I don't think it would be a huge deal necessarily for him to, to move, you know, just considering, you know, I'm sure he knows the offense as well, if not better than anybody, you know, on the offensive line or on the team, you know, I would just, he just strikes me as that kind of guy being the veteran he is. So, you know, that, that, that would make sense, I think, because I think you're just getting your best five on the field. Um, and, you know, usually, you know, transferring positions mid midway through the year or at the end of the year like this, I'm not a huge fan of. But in this case, I think that makes sense, you know, because I do like Hill at right tackle and um, Remmers, you know, I'm just watching the tape, you know, week 17 against Chicago. He looked pretty good. So if he's comfortable there, you know, then I don't see why not. Well, and the fact that he had to go up against Akeem Hicks, uh, the first time right. him playing guard, I, I too thought he handled it exceptionally well. Getting Pat Elfline back, he missed week 17 and he played 
pretty dinged up against the Green Bay Packers. He also missed the game against Carolina. Crazy stat for you, Brandon. When Elfline is not in the lineup, Jarek McKinnon has one catch in those two games, which I think speaks to how much he means to that short passing game and his ability to, to get out there and use his athleticism. What do they gain back in Elfline back in the lineup after missing him two out of the last three weeks? Well, I think you, you know, kind of alluded to some of it for sure. The screen game, you know, I definitely think is unlocked at that point, you know, um, especially not having Easton anymore. Um, you know, Elfline and Easton were pretty much the two guys that allowed them to be flexible in the screen game and add that, you know, aspect to their offense. So I think with getting Elfline back, you certainly get that. And also just the whole run game in general is going to be better, you know, just for what Elfline can do at the point of attack, you know, the leverage and strength, and, you know, pad level that he plays with. I think he can move guys off the ball as well. So, you know, you're, you're getting, you know, in my opinion, he's definitely, you know, in that top 10, 12 range of center right now, I think, in the NFL. So anytime you're getting somebody like that back, it's going to be huge for the offense. Sorry, I should correct myself. It was two out of the last four weeks he did play against the Cincinnati and Green Bay, but suffered the shoulder injury uh, before the game against Carolina and had to miss that one. Well, how do uh, the Vikings, let's say they go with our lineup, Brandon. We'll call it the Matt and Brandon's lineup. Let's say they go that way. How do you think they match up? What are they facing in the interior of the New Orleans Saints defensive line? So, yeah, the three guys that I've watched on that defensive line, you know, are David. I'll start, you know, pretty much at the guy that I have is the uh, – the lowest ranked guy, you know, cause I've just finished uh, with for bleacher report ranking the top 104 defensive tackles in the NFL. Um, so Anumata is a guy, he hasn't been playing football very long. He came here from Nigeria um, in 2012 and uh, just a really interesting player. He, he looks the part. He has a great build, a great frame, pretty good length, really good strength. Um, he's quick. Uh, he's just pretty raw in terms of, you know, his hand usage and uh, how he um, – well, he's, he's not a very good tackler, you know, just as far as being comfortable in space. And his pad level can rise a little bit. So, you know, I had him ranked number 42 out of 104 in the NFL, which is still pretty good. Um, you know, so I think he's a, you know, a good player, good run defender, good pass rusher. So he's a good all-around player and how that matches up. I mean, he – you know, he lines up typically – you know, at, at the three technique, you know, so he'll he'll be over one of the two guards. I think he could definitely, definitely handle Joe Berger. Um, you know, Mike Remmers could give, I think that could be a great, a great matchup there for sure, because based on what Remmers did in week 17, how he looked against Keem Hicks, looked like he can more than, you know, handle himself against somebody like that, who is on another level, you know, compared to Onyemata. So I think uh, you might have an advantage there in the run game. Um, and then Tyler Davidson is their primary nose tackle. He plays inside, you know, the, the guards for the most part, but also play three technique. He's, um, you know, a bulky compact kind of guy. He's really thick in his build and he, he plays with, he's kind of, he's, he's more polished than Anyamata for sure. He's more, um, he plays a better, I think, hand usage and pad level. He's scrappy and tough. Um, so he's a guy I think who's going to, you know, and he already had gone against Elfline earlier this year. And I think, honestly, he's one of the underrated guys that Elfline's faced this year because I know we've talked about defensive tackles, the caliber of defensive tackles that Elfline has faced this year. And the guy we don't really mention too much is Tyler Davidson, who 
I had as the 41st uh, ranked defensive tackle. And I think he's a good player, um, really good run defender, really. And, he, you know, he's an average pass rusher. So I don't think you have to worry about too much there. It's more so, uh, excuse me, what he does against the run. And uh, Sheldon Rankins is, you know, the best defensive lineman on the team, I think. He's gradually played more five technique outside of the tackle as the year has gone on. He started more inside, but at least partially why I think he got moved, in my opinion, is he's not very good on the interior defending against like double teams. So mm-hmm. I think Remmers and Remmers and Elfline, I definitely think could uh, generate serious movement against him if they ever, if he's ever um, aligned, you know, that far inside. But at five technique, he's a really good pass rusher, man. So he, he's kind of a guy that could give somebody like Hill, you know, some problems at right tackle um, just because of his size and speed combination is, is pretty devastating sometimes. So th- that's how those three match up, I think. And, you know, overall, I think, I think it's kind of split or, you know, if anything, the Saints might have a little bit of an advantage on that. You know, I mean, I like Elfline and Remmers a lot, you know, in the run game and, but Berger playing left guard for the first time in this hypothetical, I'm just not sure how he would, fair against them yeah and i think that jeremiah searles would struggle too and, and every time that he's been yeah. in if they, if they just decide to do that i think uh, that becomes a, a pretty significant weakness and you mentioned with rankins that it's always interesting to me to sort of look into why players improve because i didn't think he was very good when i saw him last year and then uh, you're mentioning moving him around and good coaches find Further ways outside yeah good coaches yeah. find ways to maximize Uh, their players' skills, and maybe that's a a case of that. Just want to let everyone know about the Purple Podcast Big Game Special Edition powered by Sprint. Courtney, Judd, and I will be talking about all things associated with the big game. We'd like to thank Sprint for their partnership with this special edition podcast. And to learn more about how you can get Sprint's incredible unlimited plan that includes Hulu, visit a local Sprint store today. Sprint, it works for me. Now, with Cameron Jordan... Speaking of moving around, I noticed him out on the outside uh, right and the outside left edge uh, against Carolina. I don't know if you caught this, but Vikings fans will appreciate that after the game, he called Matt Khalil speed bump McGee. So uh, I heard that. I didn't know it was true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was true. Uh, So that's um, that was his analysis of playing uh, against Matt Khalil. But I think what we know here is uh, both. Both tackles are better pass blockers if it's Rashad Hill or Mike Remmers than Matt Khalil has been uh, any time I've seen him this year. And then Riley Reef has had a very good season for the Vikings. But they're going up mm-hmm. against, I mean, one of the elites of the elites uh, at his position in Cameron Jordan. Yeah, and I just correct some what I said earlier as far as, um, you know, I said Rankins is the best defensive lineman on the team. I think he's the best interior defensive lineman. And really you could consider him a five technique. So maybe he shouldn't even be considered that, but I did grade him as one. Anyway. Yeah. Cam Jordan is probably maybe the best player on the entire team, you know, aside from Drew Brees. Um, And yeah, he's just, he's fantastic, you know, uh, deserved, you know, first team all pro this year. Um, I think what makes him so devastating is how relentless and explosive and physical he is. Um, That's a devastating trio of traits and, you know, coming off the edge, he could beat you with speed or power. And that's really, I think, what makes him a first-team All-Pro, you know, in a nutshell. Um, 
his speed to power conversion is devastating. So he can make guys look pretty silly. And yeah, so he, he's a guy that you only could do so much against, you know. We usually don't talk a whole lot with edge rushers about their instincts for the game. We talk about their moves. We talk about their explosiveness. Uh, if you're getting mm-hmm. really, really football-y, you could talk quick twitch. Uh, but with Jordan, yeah. I see him looking like he's reading plays and like he has a really good sense for when screen passes mm-hmm. are coming and when to get his hands up and things like that. Like He appears to me that he thinks the game beyond just pin the ears back and rush the passer. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I mean, you know, I kind of refer to that as, you know, part of that is mental processing or awareness. And then, you know, really it equates when you pair that with athleticism that he has in his explosiveness. I think his play speed ultimately is what makes him so special. And usually that's what makes, you know, most of the first team all pro like defensive line, defensive ends so special is their play speed, you know, how fast they can process and then you know, combined with their athleticism, how fast they can react. And, you know, you look at guys like Aaron Donald, you know, Grady Jarrett, um, you know, people like that on the interior. And then even on the, you know, further outside, like Cam Jordan, I think that's, you, you hit the nail on the head. He's just, he has really good play speed and plays very fast on top of being, you know, very physical and powerful. So it's, he's a, just a handful. All sure. right. Let's switch over to the other side of the ball, the Saints offensive line which uh, has been massively improved by Ryan Ramsack, who is uh, supposedly a part of that offensive line group that uh, didn't have any talent this year. I just, I, I can't get over that. Right. That uh, The whole draft, it was, oh, there's no talent, there's no talent, and then this guy looks like a franchise player. Elfline looks like a franchise player. Like, there, there are guys. There were guys out there. Um, so what kind yeah, of, what, he's going to match up against uh, Daniil Hunter, uh, as a rookie and a guy that I imagine you watched a lot of coming out of college, what does he do well? Yeah, he's actually a guy, you know, that I didn't evaluate coming out, but I did see quite a bit and people I trust, like, you know, I'll just say Duke Mannyweather had him as his number one tackle in college. And that said a lot to me. I, I watched Bowles and Cam Robinson, but, but anyway, yeah, I mean, Ramsick, I think he, more than anything, he's so technically sound, um, especially in pass protection. Um, he's rarely ever off balance. Um, he he's very good about getting out of his stance um, and winning the half man relationship versus a variety of different skill sets off the edge. Um, so a, a guy like you know Hunter, I think he can have success against because you know. But at the same time, it, it's tough you know because I, I know I, I wrote I wrote about Hunter earlier this year. I understand his talent. You know he he flashes. You know I think more than anything right now. Um, but you know definitely building into a, a really good player. Physically, I, I think Hunter definitely has the advantage, but with how efficient Ramsick is, you know, especially in pass protection, um, I just think that's going to be one of the more fun matchups of the day, you know, for sure, because I don't think Hunter is necessarily, you know, very refined yet, you know, with using his hands and rushing the passer. So that's where Ramsick is refined in defending that or blocking that, you know, so that paired with Hunter's physical prowess, I think, you know, that's going to be a fun matchup for sure. Now on the other side, it's going to be just as fun as uh, Teron uh, Armstead is. I I think when he's healthy, he's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And, you know, I was looking this up last night, his athleticism, we talk about Everson Griffin's athleticism being outrageous. Armstead's athleticism is absurd he ran the fastest 40 he had the longest jump i mean he's got 
He's got every. This is the most freak athlete matchup that I think I've ever seen with these two guys. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about like timed athleticism, which to me is different than on field athleticism, but you still see it, you know, with him translate. But, you know, that, that's another discussion. But yeah, I mean, on, on the field, I think he has good play speed, you know, for sure. And, you know, in terms of the raw athleticism of him, you see it more so than anything in space. You know, several times this year, I've highlighted clips of him, you know, pulling and leading as a left tackle, which, you know, guys like Trent Williams do, Tyron Smith, you know, guys who are athletic enough to actually get out in space and track down a DB and, you know, bury him, basically. Armstead is one of those guys, you know, which doesn't affect Griffin too much. So, you know, in terms of like the one-on-one battle with them, I mean, Griffin to me, you know, his power, his speed to power, you know, much like Cam Jordan is devastating. And then he also has a variety of counters, you know, his spin move, of course, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that against, you know, the athleticism and the and really how fast Armstead plays in pass protection will be interesting. But at the same time, you know, I don't think Armstead is, you know, I mean, I know his health has played a big part in his performance the last couple of years and whatnot. But, you know, I would put him maybe in like tier two, you know, of like pass protectors in the NFL behind guys like David Bakhtiari and Joe Thomas and Tyron Smith and Trent Williams in terms of just pass protection. So, But he's still good there, no, don't get me wrong. I just think Everson Griffin's pass rushing is a little bit better than his pass blocking. And that's not to say he's going to, you know, get three sacks. But, you know, I just think I think Griffin can, can get him, you know, once or twice in the game. Yeah, if I were to guess, uh, I would say that uh, taking just a, any percentage off of Armstead with Griffin feeling great is going to be an advantage there, and we will see the Saints right. chip, put a tight end over there, do everything they can. But against Everson Griffin, that hasn't uh, worked out that well for uh, opposing quarterbacks uh, at all. But they didn't play the first time. Armstead was out the first time around, and Griffin got a sack. So this time they get their full offensive line, minus Andrus Pete the left guard, who is uh, an experienced player, and and they're definitely losing something there. I don't see him as one of the better players at his position, but maybe an average starter. Uh, How do you see the interior of the uh, New Orleans line? Can they replace him? Yeah, they could replace him adequately, you know, with uh, Kelamate, I think is how you say his name. Um, You know, the replacement left guard, who Mm -hmm. typically he's had to play numerous times this year because Pete has got hurt or Armstead has got hurt, and then Pete's had to play left tackle. I think Pete is above average, and I think uh, the thing about Pete that has hurt his development, where I think he could be a little bit better than he probably should be a little bit better than he is right now, based on his talent, is because he's had to play left tackle so many times mm. in the last couple of years, and that's just you know he he's still learning left guard, you know because he played left tackle in college at Stanford, so you know that is messed with him, but. In terms of like what he can do well, I think he's a very good run blocker. Um, so that's really, I mean, in terms of his power, um, you know, he's not only huge, you know, he's one of the biggest offensive linemen, I think, in the NFL, especially when you look at body type, but he also could play low. And, you know, that's the thing I think that makes him, you know, pretty special in the run game. Um, but yeah, he, he definitely needed, you know, still some additional work and pass protection. I think he, um, you know, can underset or overset guys, you know, so him not playing, I don't really think hurts, um, you know, the Saints pass protection too much, but I do think, well, it could affect, you know, that's another 
underrated element with Armstead at left tackle having to go against Griffin, you know, maybe not knowing or being quite as comfortable with the backup as the starter to his mm-hmm. right. You know, that's an underrated thing that's hard to gauge, but could be something. But, um, but yeah, I think they lose a very good run blocker, man. I mean, I, I think it's going to be harder for them to run, especially when you're talking about Linval Joseph being on that left shoulder of the center. And, you know, you, you're talking about having to have that backup left guard combo with Unger, you know, against uh, Linval Joseph. That's, you know, I, I think that's one, like, specific matchup and specific blocking concept that's going to be maybe a little limited for the Saints. And they love to run, you know, they, they ran a lot of ace blocks this year with Unger. They do it with Unger and Warford, and they're very good. But Unger and Pete may have been just as good, if not a little better. So that's to me where I see the weakness on the Saints offensive line that the Vikings can definitely exploit. You know, we talk about Linval Joseph as one of the elite players at his position all the time, but I don't, I don't think yeah. that we ever talk beyond just saying he's really, really good. So how do you explain why he is so much better than the rest uh, at that nose tackle spot? Well, you know, he came in tied for ninth when I ranked the 104 guys um, with Sue and Damon Harrison. But the, the thing that set Joseph a little bit above those two. Well, a lot above Sue and a little bit above Harrison, I think, is his tackling. That was something when I studied him this year, I was so impressed with. Not only, you know, does he have a massive frame with broad shoulders and he has good arm length, um, but he and he uses his hands very well to keep his chest clear. I mean, he literally bench presses blockers off of him, leads the ball, and sheds them at will. And that's that's what he does. I mean, and you're not going to really move him backwards ever. So, you know, the things, you know, he's just somebody you don't move, you know, in terms of the run game very much. And then the thing that kind of sets him to another level, I think, as far as nose tackles is the effort he plays with in pursuit. I mean, I saw him make several tackles this year outside of the numbers. So not only is he getting outside of the hash marks, he's getting outside of the numbers at his size, six foot four, three hundred and twenty nine pounds, and tracking down ball carriers. And I mean, when he meets them, he's meeting them with a really bad attitude and a lot of force. <laughs> and, you know, he's a he's just a good tackler. So that that was really cool for me. And plus he has a really good bull rush, you know, that can, you know, basically put an offensive lineman on skates, you know, when they don't have help. So Joseph's, you know, a beast in the middle, I mean, for many reasons. And then, you know, Tom Johnson is another guy that I ranked he was the 15th best defensive tackle that I graded this season. I wasn't expecting that, but it's just the way it fell on the on the grading scale I had. And that's another guy, man, we could talk about too if you want. Well, Tom Johnson has done such a good job at that position, the three technique. Yeah. It, it just it amazes yeah. me that he was a guy that um, just was thought of as a one-dimensional pass rusher, you know? And, and then, right, I remember. Yeah, and, and he just yeah. has grown so much. And that, that's, I think, a testament really to him and how yeah. hard he works and how much he knows about the game, that getting more opportunity, he was able to make the adjustment because he's really not as big as a lot of the guys who play that position. No, he's he's pretty much over overmatched size-wise every rep, you know, that he's at the three technique. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you know, he's 288 pounds, but he has a thick muscular build, I think. He's a good athlete. Um, he has very good snap quickness, so he gets off the ball very quickly, and he plays with excellent pad level. 
so he's playing with excellent leverage. It's tough for guys to get their hands on him, even though I do think he has below average strength as a run defender. He overcomes that with technique. And, um, you know, he's just, he's a very tough guy for guys to reach, you know, because uh, the Saints love to run outside zone, you know, where they have to actually, you know, try to reach that first level and pin him and get around him. Tom Johnson is very good at defending that. Um, and then as a pass rusher, I think he's a high-end pass rusher. I mean, that's really his specialty, you know, and I think it stems from the same traits as far as pad level and the way he uses his hands, you know, to get inside of the frame of offensive linemen. I mean, he has counters. Um, and he, he, you know, he's very athletic to close quickly, you know, and finish. So he's, you know, it's just a pleasure to watch like the Vikings defense play in general because they're so well coached. But you definitely see it with Tom Johnson and Linval Joseph. I mean, they're just very like refined players. All right, Brandon, on the spot here, who do you think wins this matchup in the trenches and ultimately the football game? I think the Vikings. You don't have no, to say okay. Vikings because you're on a Vikings podcast. <laughs> it is not required. No, I, I I know totally. I mean, I've said it on Twitter several times. But I think I think Minnesota is the team in the NFC to beat. Um, and you know, with them being at home is a big part of it. I think, but then with Pete being out, I just think I don't know how you know the Saints are going to come into Minnesota and and run the ball. You know, so if they do, then more power to them. That'd be great. You know, I think Unger and, and Warford can do that, you know, can have some success. But ultimately, man, I think Linval Joseph and Tom Johnson in the middle, the ends with Hunter and, and Griffin, I think are, I don't know, that, that to me takes the, takes the cake there. And I, I just don't see Minnesota losing at home. Brandon, you do great work. You're a great follow on Twitter. Can you give your Twitter handle slash where people can read your stuff? Thanks, man. Yeah, Twitter uh, at Veteran Scout. And how about the interwebs? Oh, as far as websites, sorry. I, yeah, inside the pylon, you know, I'm probably going to be doing some more stuff for them here soon. But really, you know, uh, Bleacher Report, you know, you could check out my defensive tackle rankings for the NFL 1000 project. Uh, just finished that, graded 104 guys, and they're just ranked there with a little mini scouting report on them just to kind of get a better idea of how they win and, and what they don't do so well. So, yeah, those are really the main two for right now. Well, I tell you every time you come on that I learn a ton when we talk about offensive and defensive line play and really enjoy your work, so people make sure that uh, you go check that out. And thanks so much for joining. And, Brandon, I'm going to call on you again if the Vikings win and we have another offensive-defensive line matchup. Yeah, dude, please do. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about that potentially. Hopefully, hopefully that, that's the case. Yeah, yeah, I I would like to keep covering playoff football because this is a good time. Thanks, Brandon, and thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.